Welcome to the Growth Marketing Podcast. My name is Rodney, and alongside me today, I have Duncan and Brian. How are you doing, guys? Fantastic, Rodney. Great, great thank you. <laughs> Enthusiastic there, Brian? It's Friday. <laughs> I see how it is. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing to long-haul and short-haul audiences. And um, I'll start with Brian. Can you explain the difference between the two? Yeah, I, it's, it's a term we use a lot when we market tourism products, essentially meaning um, the two different types of audiences from a geographic standpoint where they're located. So a short haul audience for a golf course might be people within like an hour's drive of a golf course. So somebody that can come and play, you know, wake up in the morning in their own bed, have breakfast, go play golf, come home. A long haul audience would be those people that have to travel a further distance to get to a golf course. So typically they're gonna go either for the day or might even go overnight. Um, So that's the big difference. Now, you can also talk about short haul and long haul mentality too, but but, uh, where people, you know, they turn golf into a a day long thing, even if it is a short haul for them to get there. So um, you market to them in different ways, right? Because they require different things. All right. That sounds good. Getting deeper into it, I'll, get, I'll turn to Duncan. Yeah, so I mean, part of the, uh, you know, when, when you're thinking about long haul versus short haul, the, the real thing you have to think about is who your audience is and what their needs are. Because from, from that, you can kind of develop um, products and packages that fit those needs and then build um, from there to basically just offer and cater to um, exactly what these people want. So. I mean, uh, when it comes to, you know, kind of the long haul people, the people that are coming in, you know, for tourist or resort courses or that sort of a thing, um, there's certain things that we've kind of outlined here that we think um, should be considered when you're marketing or coming up with strategies for that long haul consumer. Um, one of the main things that are very different than locals is, is they are kind of more, uh, they'll, they'll tend to spend more money. Um, they probably want to get a cart because they want to relax, they're on vacation. Um, maybe grab some food after the round. They're not really as time sensitive as someone who's local who may, you know, have to go to work in the morning if they're, you know, quick nine before they go to work yeah. or, you know, go home and make dinner for the kids or whatnot. So um, something to keep in mind that, that tourists are, you know, they're, they're willing to take time on the course. They don't know the course as well. So they want to do some sightseeing. They may take some pictures. So um, when you're marketing to that audience, it's kind of important to think about their needs um, they may need a hotel. They may want to have hotel and golf packages together. They may want to have food packages um, included in their uh, green fees as well. Um, if you have a resort course, maybe there's things around you know, tying in um, you know, hats or golf balls, logo golf balls, mm-hmm. where you can kind of build up a, an actual package that creates more value because you're having sales that are not just golf anymore. Yeah. The long haul audience is definitely they're there for the day, right? They're, yep. they're coming or beyond, beyond the day. Um, whereas a, a short haul person, like Duncan said, they could play golf in the morning and then they have to go to the grocery store in the afternoon. So they, their needs might be a little bit different because they're basically there for the golf. They might get a hot dog while they're running out the door and that's that's their day, that's their golf experience. Yep. But that long haul audience, you know, they are, you know, if it takes a little bit longer, okay, you know, we're gonna relax. Maybe they're on vacation, what have you. but you know, they're probably going to require some sort of food and beverage because either they're making a longer drive back or they're staying overnight somewhere too. Okay. Um, so this, 
there's there are a number of differences and i think the easiest way for a golf pro to do it is just to put yourself in the shoes of those audience and go if i was that person what would i want to make my golf a little bit better mm. and one major thing um that you got to think about is that your locals are going to tend to be more loyal they know the course they know the area yep. um whereas tourists are probably a little more fickle they just want to go get a good deal play some great golf at a good golf course and then they'll move on they'll be there once a year where your locals are probably going to come five, six, 10, 20 times a year, and they're going to be like your spokespeople. Those are the ones that are the ones that are going to recommend your golf course, probably write some reviews, um, that sort of a thing as well. So thinking about their needs versus tourists, um, there's certain ways you can kind of kind of come up with some advertising strategies around this that are kind of helpful. Um, I mean, locals are more likely to be tied to your club in on one of your social media channels like Facebook or, or Twitter. Um, they may be signed up for your e-newsletter or something like that or checking your website um, you know, every now and again or maybe calling your club. So yep. it's kind of important to, to think about the needs of these people. I mean, if I'm a local, I want to play a quick round and kind of get in, get out, um, go home and do whatever I have to do. Whereas I'm a tourist, I'm complete opposite. So um, I kind of want to know when the quick times, like the fast tea times are or when there's openings as a local. So that's maybe something you want to post on your social media channels thinking about their needs and saying, hey, we got some open tea times um, this morning, come check it out. In the same token, maybe it's uh, gearing tourists towards um, tea times that are not that time that the locals want to come and play. Yeah. Um, it could be that they can only play you know, after 10 o'clock on weekends and then you save some block of tea times or something like that for the locals in the morning. So that the locals always have the same sort of experience that they, they rely upon and enjoy and the tourists aren't really impeded that much because they're less finicky about the exact time they want to play. Yeah, and I think if you look at your data, you'll discover where are you making the majority of your money. And chances are it's those folks that come to your, your golf course more than once a year you definitely want to keep them happy, like you said. But at the same time, if there are people coming from further away to experience your golf course, you don't want to turn them down either. So it's a bit of a walking, a bit of a fine line to try to keep keep both sides happy. Because you're right, if 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 you turn into a de if you're a destination course and people are coming from all around the world, but you still have that really loyal fan base right around your golf course. If they get turned off of your golf course, you could be in big trouble because you're going to have to rely on people coming from who knows where to yeah. fill your tee sheet as opposed to the person that lives five minutes away. And they're not going to tell their friends, hey, come on down <laughs> yeah. from out of town and come play the course because it's amazing, especially if they're having bad experiences. Yeah. And they're you remember long haul too. Don't go there. Long haul first, in some cases, depending on where you live, um, you know, we've talked talked about this before. A long haul person could be somebody from a few hours away that perhaps visits your course every few years. Um, you know, here in Edmonton, a, a, popular, times a, year, yeah. a popular place here in Edmonton would be to head out into the, the Rockies, whether it be on the Alberta Rockies or into the BC Rockies. You might do that once or twice a year. You're a longer haul consumer because you're probably not going to go there in one foul swoop and come back in the same day. But there's also long haul people. That, that coming to Canada or your neck of the woods is like a once in a lifetime adventure for them too. Yeah. So um, it's cool that they came to your course and you want to give them a great experience and they might tell their friends, but at the same time, are they going to be the ones that'll constantly ring your till year after year? No, no, probably not. Yeah, what are the ones that are providing the most value? And yeah. nine times out of 10, it's the locals. So you got to make sure that you're kind of taking care of them um, in ways that, you know, accommodates, the ways that they connect with your brand. And then tourists, another thing, um, obviously they're going to bring more money for that per, per visit, but there's going to be a lot less visits. So yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to tourists too, I mean, if you think about how you advertise to them, 
um, they're not as likely to be tied to your social media channels whatsoever. They're likely to you know, find you online or read about you in a magazine, maybe like top 100 courses in Canada or North America. Um, they may, they will visit your website. That is kind of a big one. So it's, it's, it's important to kind of think of the way that you lay out the content on the website. Make sure that you offer packages that kind of cater to their needs. Mm -hmm. um, I know in my experience as many times that I go on my golf vacations to either Phoenix or BC where I'm, I have accommodations, uh, just stay at my parents' place that, that they have in those locations. Um, I just want to play golf. I find that a lot of the packages always include a hotel and there's not really a lot of flexibility around there. You have to stay at the resort and get golf and then that, that's the package. So thinking about that, you know, not all long haul people are the same is also an important thing when you're coming up with your package deals. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a golf one with reciprocal clubs around the area. Um, maybe it's something like a, you know, a three day membership or a five day membership where they pay and they get uh, access to play the course once a day for five consecutive days. I mean, it's thinking about those audiences and how you can cater to their needs um, that will really end up you know, uh, helping your bottom line. And remember too, if you're catering to that long haul audience, you're probably part of a much larger trip for them. Yeah. They're probably not coming just to the area just to play your golf course. They're either coming to play a whole bunch of different golf courses or they're coming and golf is a small part of what they're doing. So when you want to market to them too, you can look beyond golf, look at other attractions in the area or other hotels or your local tourism body, whether it be you know municipal or provincial or federal, they're the ones that are supposed to attract tourists into the area. You're part of the equation, so why not get in board with somebody like a Canadian Tourism Commission or Travel Alberta or Destination BC or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. and and get them you know to help kind of plug your your package or whatever the case may be too. Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to realize that your locals are going to be your loyal fan base and whatever you can do to kind of um, reward their loyalty is something that they're going to really appreciate. So, I mean, we're talking about the locals. We're not saying that they're, they don't have to be members. They could just be people that, you know, play there 10 times a year and love the course. So if you can think of ways to reward their loyalty, maybe, maybe it's as simple as buying them a beer after the round saying, hey, thanks for coming out. Or maybe um, it's something a little more detailed, like you, you start offering you know, 10, 10 passes, like 10 round free punch card passes, which I've seen at lots of clubs. Yep. Um, we've even, see, even seen ones where if they play at non-peak times, those are two for one. So like if they play at twilight, then all of a sudden their, their pass is worth 20 free rounds. But the point is you're rewarding the people and giving them a reason to come back every year yep. um, versus simply just treating them like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that actually brings me to another point. Um, one big thing that I've seen that I'm not too sure is the greatest approach is charging tourists more tourist rates versus locals. Um, I, I know in some instances you just kind of have to based on um, uh, the way that you know the government pays for the for the golf course or whatever, there's certain rates you have to charge. But um, I think just charging tourists a higher rate just because they're visiting um, for the same service that you're providing can often leave a kind of negative um, negative feeling about the experience. Yeah. And uh, more or less, you know, tourists are the ones that are, are going to be there for the first time. They're going to have their first impression and then they're going to be chatting, maybe doing reviews and that sort of a thing. So if you offer them an experience which is the same price as, as a local, um, but uh, it's you know a poor one or not what they expected, then all of a sudden you can really get um, you know get yourself into trouble with doing that. And you mentioned earlier, there's a good chance the long haul audience, the tourists, are going to have more money to spend. And it's cool to get them to spend more money at your at your club, but you don't need to do it through just raising the green fees because they're not from around there. You can put packages together where you can include 
um, like shop merchandise, like souvenirs or food mm -hmm. or other experiences as part of a, a larger package. And they'd be willing to pay more for it if it shows value, right? So yeah. whereas your locals, they don't need a towel every time they come. It's like, okay, great. I play here 20 times a year. I don't need 20 towels. They might just want a green fee. That's what I want. But for somebody coming for the first time or, or doesn't come very often, they're willing to pay a little bit more for a better experience. You just have to show them the value of paying more as opposed to just flat out we're, yeah, and then, we're gouging. That, that's, <laughs> that, that's where you get your money, though, is, is by providing the, the experience to another level because you're really catering to the needs versus simply just jacking the price yeah. up because they're not from around It would town. be like, you know, I've taken my kids to Disneyland and a local in Los Angeles going to Disneyland wants to pay the rate to get into the park and then they're going to go and do their thing. I'm coming there from Canada. I don't mind paying 20% more if it includes a lunch with some of the Mickey Mouse characters, right? Like yeah. that that's value to me and I don't mind paying more for it. Whereas the locals would probably be like, whatever, I can see Mickey whenever I want. I just want to go on Splash Mountain. So and it's probably going right? to make it less stressful for you needing to look for food somewhere yeah, or yeah. something like that. And that's because... a big thing when you cater to this market. There's a good chance they're on some sort of holiday or they're trying to relax. Yeah. Let's make it a little bit easier for them. Duncan mentioned they're probably going to have carts. It's, you know, they're probably taking it easy. So if yeah. we can offer them value to help, you know, take some of the load off their shoulders, they're probably willing to pay for it. All right. How about we do a lightning round? I love <laughs> lightning rounds. <laughs> Can't Let's wait. Do it. Get the sound, cue the sound effects, Rodney. All right. For the lightning round, I will start with Duncan. If there was one way to market to long-haul audiences, what would it be? Hmm. I think with long-haul in general, you have to think about, I mean, realistically, they're, they're coming from a variety of different places if they're traveling in to see you. Um, it could be as you know far away as a couple hours to um, you know a flight away. So it's one of those things where um, I'd recommend looking at the data you have um, from your website, because that's a good place to start, just to see where you start to see some patterns and where people are coming in from. Yeah. Um, and then I'd take the approach of you could run some digital advertisements in, in the areas that you, you see a lot of traffic coming in um, and just see what it brings you. Um, another really obvious one for me is, is um, if you, you can actually set up what are called remarketing ads. These are the ads that uh, you've probably seen them. You, you look at a pair of shoes online, um, and then all of a sudden that pair of shoes is following you around the web in an ad everywhere you go. Um, theoretically, with uh, a golf course, you do exactly the same thing, but you could cater it so that um, these ads only show to people who are outside of your local area. So maybe it's something where you have people that are coming to your website and they happen to be from three hours away, yeah. and then you're following around with an ad or a package um, for them to come back and visit to a custom landing page. Um, and overall, like it's, it's a real great way, an effective way, to hit people who have already expressed some interest in your golf course by going to your website. Um, and you know that they're not local based on their location that they're visiting the, uh, your website from. So you could kind of basically build a, a, a really clever ad campaign around that to that specific long haul audience. And you're right when it comes to remarketing, um, because there's, a, What's the chances of someone coming to your website for the first time and they're booking their trip or planning their trip and then making a booking on your golf course right then? They're probably gonna go, okay, here's a course I might wanna play, then go do a million other things online and then come back to it. So by using remarketing, you can kind of hit them over and over again. And, and stay top of mind. I mean, yep. I think yep. I think lots of these things are, are gonna be spontaneous anyway. They're gonna start booking tee times at you know the main courses they want to go to, and then they need to fill the gaps. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. um, as long as you're in that space, 
um, I think it's just I think it's a, a great way to try and reach those people. And remarketing, Duncan, for anybody that doesn't know, you can do it through a variety of platforms: Google, Facebook. Google and Facebook yeah. offer them. Um, basically, it's just a little tracking cookie you put on your website, and it tracks all your visitors, uh, a lot of the data where they're from, etc. And then, yeah, you can use it for ads purposes later on. All right, that sounds good. And uh, lightning round for Brian. If there was a way to market to short haul audiences, what would it be? I think because you're marketing to people that you might see again and again, the more you learn about them, the better off you're going to be. So whether it's picking up postal codes along the way to try to figure out where they live and what areas or regions they live in, that would be a good one. Because it's kind of like the same idea as long haul. If I know kind of where they're coming from, I can target my marketing, whether it be newsprint or online to different cities and towns around me or different areas. You could do old fashioned mail drops if you really wanted to using mm -hmm. postal code data. Um, that would be one, but I, I think one that gets lost in the mix all the time, Duncan mentioned it earlier, it gets lost in the social media mix is an e-newsletter. And if you're collecting emails from people that frequent your golf course and you can use those into some sort of e-newsletter campaign, I think you're gonna do really, really well. Um, from, in my opinion, I, I see there's tons of value and merit in social media, but honestly, if you gave me a thousand Facebook fans or a thousand e-newsletter subscribers, and I had the choice, I'd take the thousand e-newsletter subscribers every day of the week. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're showing a little bit more intent than simply liking me on Facebook. They wanna know more about me and learn more about my course. So an e-newsletter, whether it goes out weekly, monthly, quarterly, letting people know about upcoming seasons or memberships or courses or programs or whatever, that's an awesome way to stay top of mind with locals. Okay. So, I mean, what is a good way though that you can think of, Brian, um, to actually start collecting email, e-newsletters for people? Well, the, the big thing there is with all the new regulations in place, the CASEL laws that came into place a few years ago in Canada, um, you have to have their consent. You can't just simply somehow get their e-news off of, or their email off of something and just start using it. They have to actually go through the opt-in process. So you could do things like have a tablet sitting at the in the pro shop and people could enter their information in. Any sort of forms you have where people are signing up for um, uh, like seasons passes memberships, or me lessons, yeah, memberships yeah. or lessons or anything, always have the opt-in part. You know, do you want to opt in and hear more about uh, our e-news every month or whatever the contest case even I guess if you wanted yeah, to give have some giveaways yeah the biggest thing there is is just make sure you're collecting them in the proper way you don't ever want it to turn on you and come back uh, against you so that would be the biggest thing we use a program called Mailchimp like mail and then like the monkey chimp dot com um, and it's probably one of the best ones out there and it's free for a lot of people until you move up in numbers but that would be one that I'd highly recommend. Okay, that sounds great. Um, I think it's time to wrap up. Thank you, Duncan and Brian, for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you, Rodney. Thanks, Rodney. Okay, that sounds good. To everybody who was listening, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.